All right, Katie Robinson, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you, Brett? Good, good. Now, listen, uh, first off, congratulations on being named to the team that is going to Australia for what, Duel in the Pool, hey? That's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, we're pumped. It's it's an awesome group, awesome team, and um, we're excited to get out there and, and, and do something that we haven't done in a while. Duel in the Pool hasn't happened in a few years, so we're excited to bring it back. Yeah, yeah. So how did that all come about? Um, well, I got alerted by Lindsay Mantenko about um, our swimmer, Kevin Hausman, um, who swims on the Northwestern team with me. And so he was he was selected to be part of the, the team. And then a few days later, I got another call from Lindsay um, that invited me to be part of the team as well. That's cool. Is, is this going to be your first U.S. international team? Yep. Yep. First one for me. Very, very humbled, very grateful to be part of the, the coaching staff and excited to learn a lot. That's exciting. Yeah, that's really cool. Did, did you ever represent the U.S. in any capacity as a swimmer? No, no, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't that fast. <laughs> what were your events when you swam? Uh, I swam butterfly, mainly 100 and 200 butterfly. Okay, um, so you probably, yeah, 100 and 200. Yeah, you probably, uh, who was who was the main women at the time for the U.S.? Who's the, who was the yeah. heavy players? Yeah, we had um, Tara um, and, well, t the Kirk sisters. Oh, right. Um, and then uh, Dana, obviously, but, and then we had, right. um, who else? Oh, um, Mary Desenza was a big. All right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, there's some, there's some players around. So it must've been tough. Well, that, that's pretty cool then to have this honor now come as, as a coach. Um, and that's a big deal. You know, I remember uh, my first selection for the U.S., my one and only actually was, Back in 2011, I I went to the World University Games with Team USA, and that was that was a thrill. You know, it's it's something different. It's, it's it's different to kind of be recognized as a coach for your efforts. It must be it must be a good feeling for sure. Then, yeah, it's fun because yeah, exactly. When I was a swimmer, that would have been that would have been really cool. I I worked really hard, but I didn't have that opportunity. So now as a coach, it's pretty pretty neat. How are you finding it uh, in terms of recognition? You know, you've obviously um, taken over a huge program at Northwestern for both the men's and women's programs. So there's obviously people out there recognizing you for the work that you're doing and rewarding you for that and getting a, a, a huge position. Um, and now to be to be named on a U.S. staff, um, is, is that something that you set out for in terms of like this, this recognition to be um, – you know, honored as a, as a coach that is doing really good work? Um, I, it's interesting because I don't know that I ever um, really find pointed out. I want my career to look like this. I want, yeah. the, you know, these accomplishments in my career as a coach. It's interesting because as a coach, you have a little bit less control of that. You're not the one doing the swimming, you know? And so yeah. I just want to work as hard as I can and, um, and learn as much as I can as a coach and, put in, you know, the, the attention and, um, and then see kind of where it takes me. And, um, I stand on the shoulders of many people before me that have done an awesome, um, an awesome job of just, uh, creating a path for, for people. And, um, so I'm just very, I think I, I'm mostly just grateful <laughs> in my position. And I think, um, yeah. And looking back, I don't know that I, that I ever really find like in detail 
where I want to go in this career, but just do the best job that I can. So you've never written out goals of like wanting to be head coach of a men's and women's program. That was, that was never a goal. You know, I mean, ultimately probably in my head in some capacity, but I don't, right. yeah, I, I think, yeah, I definitely wanted to be, you know, working in the um, autonomous five and um, coaching men and women is, it was like something that I thought was like cool <laughs> um, and interesting to me and um, very curious about it when I was working with just women's only program at Tulane. And so that's kind of what led my career to, to start working at Northwestern and, yeah, and here I am. It's it's been a wild a wild turn of, of events. I feel like that has led me here, um, being in the right place at the right time for sure, and um, taking advantage of opportunities as best I can. Yeah, but yeah you're a bit of a trailblazer because there's not a lot of women that are leading, you know, Power Five conference men's teams. I, I think there may be only a couple of you. So it's like um, opportunities are a few and far between. But in terms of when this one came up i don't know how it came into your realm or your world i mean did you see an advertisement for the first time did somebody reach out to you at some point you must have had to have this thought in your head of like can i do this there's not many people doing this right yeah i think yeah i think uh, i mean i love um i love the idea of like trailblazing um also with the understanding that again many women have come before me to set up a path um again on the shoulders of many before me and um and i think it's important to um never never set a ceiling for yourself um to just keep pushing forward and onward and um when the position opened it was kind of like this is this is a shot for myself that i don't know that i, I would have again i was kind of in the right place at the right time and had built up my career in a position where i felt pretty confident about being able to to take over the men's and women's program and um and it is it's cool that it's it's cool in some ways but like um, I'm just one of a few, but then I also hopefully can help change that and change the narrative of, of women in coaching. There's plenty men, uh, plenty of head coaches who are men who coach women's programs, and there's no question about can they handle a women's program. So I would like love to change the narrative of, of course, women can coach men. It's, it's so mean. It's not like we have different rules or anything like that between men and women. Yeah, like uh, I always had incredible um, female coaches as as an athlete kim bracken was one of my coaches and and i believe she was one of yours as well so we have that in common um and, and kim was very capable uh for sure obviously um with with us at auburn when i swam at auburn um and then and then went on to be the head women's coach at texas but she could absolutely coach men so there's you know when you're experiencing it there's no question right? But when you're now put in a position where you're heading up a men's team, there, there are questions, I guess, like there, I don't know if they're coming maybe from the men themselves on the team, like, you know, was their first initial reaction, like, can a, can a woman actually coach us? And then maybe the parents and then maybe the recruits. I mean, I'm sure there's like more people involved who have some type of stereotypical doubt of some sort right is that is that what you experienced yeah. here and there yes um you know there's always i think you don't um there's a lot of like fear of the um unknown and if you're not you know if you haven't experienced that 
um, which it, it's few and far between are the experiences of a, of a female head coach of a combined program at a power five institution. Um, so yeah, of course there's some like in, um, unsure, like some nervousness there, but um, I don't, I don't mind that. I don't mind people wondering if I can do it or not. Um, that's kind of been like my MO as a, as an athlete for sure. Um, growing out of a small town and just wanting and dreaming big and kind of going for it no matter what people say. So yeah. I kind of, I love that almost, honestly, like it, it excites me to, um, to prove people wrong and, um, just always been kind of a, I don't know, that's kind of like been part of my motivation is when people think I can't do it. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely a, an energy difference. I noticed when I was at the women's meet to the men's meet, right? Like there's, there's certainly a different energy. Did, did you get the same sense as well? Like in terms of your, your coaching style has to shift a little bit, like when it's just women or when it's just men, I, I did feel like I had to shift in terms of the way that I was kind of um, going about my coaching and the energy that I was giving off and things like that. Right. So do, do you feel the same things? Oh yeah, I do. I do. I, I think as a, as a group, um, you do have to approach, um, and talk differently in front of mm. a women's group versus in front of a men's group. Um, they're looking for different things from leadership positions. Mm. Um, and that's where I think I, you know, honestly, this past year I've learned a lot in that, um, the COVID year, I felt like I, it was, it was interesting because I felt like I handled that pretty well. And then mm -hmm. the last year when I would address the whole team together, sometimes I would, if I tended towards more like what the message the women's team needed to hear, the men's team would miss out a little bit. And if mm -hmm. I trended towards what the men's team needed to hear, the women's team kind of felt left out in a way. Mm -hmm. so it, it is, it is a little tricky, um, but kind of figuring that out and, um, navigating that, having really amazing staff members who are able to have your back um, through that and um, kind of be a voice sometimes for for myself um, has been really great. And then finding good team leaders too, like the captains we rely heavily on. And this past summer, we've like spent a lot of time getting the captains um, just on board and doing different, like we read a book together and we're going over the different chapters. So I think mm -hmm. getting a lot of buy-in and getting a lot of support around yourself is like, for me at least, that's key. I'm a collaborative kind of leader anyway. Yeah, that's interesting. I have a very, very similar experience myself in terms of the things that you say and then how you deliver those. And then when they're combined, um, who's getting the right message and who's missing it and then then trying to figure out oh how can i split them and then you split them and then it becomes like well you like them more than us and it's like oh it's, it becomes really difficult and it's a challenge i, I don't um i don't think it's easy for a, a man to lead women and i don't think it's easy for a woman to lead men in that sense it's 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 difficult uh both sides um i mean they both present different challenges but at the same time i think it's just a big job too right like you're well, how many how many women how many men do you actually have on the team so combined it would be about 60 people would it yeah just about um this past year is about 62 and right. um you know and i've got you know five full-time staff members plus two volunteers right. plus one ga you know and then all the other pieces of the puzzle with our weights mm. weights coach our equipment mm. manager our you know um, compliance, fundraising, all of that. So it's a it's a big job regarding scholarship plus operating yeah. budget. Like right. you're in charge of almost like three million, you know, overall yep. like from yep. a program standpoint. So right. it's it's a big job um, for sure. But that's again, yep. I rely heavily on my my staff. They're awesome, and um, 
it just helps <laughs> helps everything when everybody's in it rowing rowing the boat together as i like to say well it's interesting you say that because everything you just talked about doesn't really have a lot to do with coaching it has more to do with business it sounded like a business that you were just talking about right like you're running a business so have you found that have you was there anything that you've done in your background at all um in college or anything because i know when i walked into this i was like oh yeah i'm the head coach great but i knew nothing about business and all of a sudden i'm running a business yeah and you better know something about it so did you feel that too yeah i think um it's it's a different skill set to be a head yeah. coach versus being an assistant coach and right. you know, honestly actually i was listening to your podcast when you um interviewed with margo and i thought what she said was actually quite fascinating and um and i agree with a lot of of that of um being a head coach is it's a little different and it's hard to like exactly say what that feels like or what that looks like but there's just everything is on your shoulders you know and um that overarching view um of like running a cohesive group of coaches running a cohesive group of swimmers like your your attention has to be divided um and see kind of overall overall and so yeah it's different it's tough it's challenging um in good ways like i think you know coaching is a lot about motivating and knowing people and connecting and um that's definitely utilized um but it's yeah it's it's like i'm in charge of you know the growth of five coaches who that's their profession you know and so like mm -hmm. i take that that role very seriously as well and so yeah there's just lots of pieces to it what about this uh, do you have the ability to be honest and and admit that um that anyone has not fully embraced you at all like uh, and i'll go first okay so let, let me lead this one so I had a situation where I took over at all, and I'm not going to mention any names, but um, I was named the head coach for the men's and women's team in 2010 um, at the end, at the end of the 2009 season. And, and, um, and one of the girls on the team at the time who was uh, one of the best swimmers uh, came to me and said, listen, uh, I, I respect that you've been named head coach. But that's that's my head coach that I've swum for for three years, and so next year, I'm not going to be listening to anything that you say. Don't try and coach me. I'm going to listen to my previous coach, and and they're the ones that are going to get me through my senior year. So I just wanted to be upfront with you now. That's that's the way it's going to go. And I was just like stunned. I was like, wow, you know. Um, but that I mean, she just put it out there, and 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 ultimately, that's the way it went. And. And looking back, I was like, should I have accepted that? You know, I probably should have said like, you know, drawn a line in the sand, but I didn't at the time. And maybe that was part of my inexperience. And, and I think ultimately it ended up hurting more than, than it was good. You know what I mean? So um, have you had any experience like that at all? I mean, yeah, yeah. I think every coach everywhere has some people who aren't like bought in, whatever title yeah whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think, you know, it's not, that's where I talk about like the team leaders on, you know, and, and the importance that, that they have mm. um, and that they've, you know, got your back or whatever, however, again, you want to say it. But I think, you know, and that's, that's important to me because um, you're going to have, you're going to have such a variety of people on your team, you know, you're going to mm. have people who are bought in no matter what. They're just like, they're your warriors they go get them you know you're gonna have people in the middle where you're gonna have to work with them on the day in day out like um you know to pull them into that like 
um, upper category of like people who are just bought in naturally. And then you have the people who are honestly like you, no matter what you do and say, they mm -hmm. just might not. And that's yeah. not um, about you really. It's more about them and their experience and what they're bringing into that relationship already. Mm -hmm. And so just understanding that and working with it when you can um, and laying out, yeah, exactly. The boundaries, like the healthy boundaries. This is what I can accept. If you're outside of that, we can't accept that. You need to like to be on this team. You have to work in this, in this framework um, and being pretty clear about that. I think, you know, I, even as myself, like I'm learning a lot about that and where those boundaries are and where they are and when they can be moved and when they need to be pretty firm. And so yeah. it's just, it's, it's like a little bit of a learning curve too, of learning that. And I think with each team, it's a little bit different, right? Each year you graduate some, you pull in more and the dynamic changes and, um, but leading and, um, you know, being firm with those boundaries is helpful, I think. We individualize training in the pool, so why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Biney of Biney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available. So go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, wellnessbuilding.net. Swim Angelfish. Swim Angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities. Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. It's changed and, and coaching's evolved and we're seeing some of that play out, you know, in, in certain places. And, and I'm sure you've kind of got some of this as well, where, I mean, I think in the past you used to just be able to make a decision and that was the decision. Whereas now there's more like you need documentation, you need to kind of record every time that you make a, a pretty big decision like that, especially somebody who's not going to buy in, you know, you got to have a reason to kind of cut them. You got to have a reason to ask them to leave. You got to, no, there's got to be all this kind of like everything's got to be by the book and that, that does that make it more difficult for you now uh it's definitely challenging yes um i think when it comes to yeah if they're not bought in like how how do you handle that um, right mm -hmm. it, i mean yeah i think that 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 is the the million dollar question <laughs> um again like setting aside a framework of you can work within this box. You have some freedoms here, but like you can't go outside of that that right. work, you know. And um, and again, I think I've made some decisions in the past that have been outside of that framework, and and that now you know, and then you fight it, and then you're like, oh man, I should have been a lot more firm there, and you know, right. you know. And so um, again, I just rely heavily on the people around me to kind of um, guide and help and um, lead as well. Um, yeah. So I think yeah. The importance of having strong and great team captains that can stand up um, 
to you know the team when they're act in any team member when they're acting out of out of the framework is um that's got to be that's got to be the way of the future i think because the coaches are a little mm -hmm. bit more handicapped i think these days yeah i think you're i think you're right yeah um that, that's an interesting kind of point is is the coaches are kind of they've got their hands tied a little bit in a way of like and that's what i found is like you've got to get to a point where you treat everybody equally but everybody's individual and every case is different i found so like when you just have this blanket statement of like well this is how everyone's going to be treated that's when you know the, the whole documentation comes in of like making sure that hey if you say that to that person then you've got to say it to that person as well and so um there, there's definitely some instances like that and i guess the reason why i'm digging into this right now is because you got a tough job like it's it's not easy you know like uh I, uh, I I found it very challenging, and so I'm. I just want people listening to understand. I had situations a lot where um, assistants would would come in for a year or two and be like, "I want to I want to be the head coach. I want to be a head coach. So I'm I'm ready. I'm gonna go." I'm like, just take it easy for a second. Like you need a little bit more time. <laughs> understand you're not going to a coaching position. You're going to a management position. You know, so understand that as well. So like. I would always try and work with my assistant coaches to like really just take their time with this. Um, so like when the, when these opportunities came for you, did you feel like you were absolutely ready for them or has there been any point where you felt like, Oh wow, I probably, I may have jumped into this too quickly at all. Um, you know, there's never been any like hindsight, like, Oh, I jumped in too quickly, but I will yeah. say that like, I, I, feel like I had about a 24 hour period, whether I was gonna stay and go for this job at Northwestern, cause I was the associate head coach prior to being named head right. coach. And so it was kind of like, okay, I knew, I knew, I knew that um, my previous boss was leaving and right. I, was like, I got to tell the administration if I'm in or I'm out, you know? Right. And, and I felt like I had this very finite period of time. Mm -hmm. um, mind you, this is in the first like month and a half of the pandemic. And so it was mm. just like, having a clear thought was like really challenging. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and it was just like, you know what? I know this team. I know, I know how to lead. Um, I know how to, you know, um, I know the people on the staff for at least at least a big portion of the people on the staff because I was hopeful to, to maintain a lot of um, the coaches who had worked with me. And so I was like, I, if I know all of this and we're in this such an uncertain time, like I'm absolutely the best coach for this position. Mm. And, um, and no, I don't know everything. And, and I, but I have the confidence that I'll figure it out, you know? And yeah. I think, I think that that's it. Like you don't, you might not know everything. You might not be actually ready and mm. you'll learn a lot on the, on the fly, but, um, mm. you have to have a, you have to have an intention of, I'm going to go and I'm going to learn everything that I can on the fly as quick as I can, trying right. to make least amount of mistakes, value the people in the program and um, and just be ready to go, ready to work your butt off. <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, one last thing then, because I want to get into the swimming side as well. This is kind of the business side. One last thing on the business side of it then. So in, in terms of recruiting, you are in the minority, you know, the, the majority of the the men's programs are going to be led by men um and so when you go into a house or when you're on a phone call um you know like i said you're you're in the minority so how do you convince them those those kids who maybe have never had a head female coach and they're coming to a men's team with a with a head female coach? how do you how do you convince them and then 
almost out recruit the men, you know, because you are competing against them in a way as well of like these male coaches. So what's what's the sell for, for the athlete to say, hey, I'm the best choice? Yeah, I think, you know, I the way that I recruit, the way that I recruit, the way that I coach, the way that I act is very um, relationship first. And so mm -hmm. just learning about that person and learning what, what their motivations are and then working with that angle. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and then, you know, I can talk shop with the best of them. I've been, I've been a swimmer. I've been a coach for a minute now, 14, I think 15, maybe even years now. Mm -hmm. And so I, I have a lot of knowledge in it. I, I studied the sport a ton. My exercise physiology background um, helps support, you know, training uh, philosophies and, and um, systems. So I feel pretty confident in my ability to talk shop. So if they need to talk X's and O's, I'm ready for that. If they need to you know, learn about who I am uh, and what makes me tick. I'm happy to share that. I'm kind of an open book, um, you know, and I think, you know, that that blue collar mentality, the the like, tell me what I can't do and I'll prove you wrong. Right. Um, people can really get on board with like somebody who's like that and kind of gritty like that. Mm -hmm. um, those are the people that do really well in our program. And um, and uh, to be honest, like I don't really get a lot of pushback from from the recruits that I talk to. Mm. Um, yeah, that really hasn't been a thing that I've oh, at good. least experienced face first or had, uh, you know, face to face. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. And that's that's a good message for other, you know, um, female coaches that want to lead men's programs. It's a, that's a good message for them to hear, too. So well, that's a good transition then. So let's let's talk about the X's and O's. Let's go to the training side of it then. So um, what what how did you develop um, your understanding of of training ultimately what we're trying to do here as coaches is get kids to swim fast like every kid that comes to your program they're like make me faster you know so like that's the that's the ultimate goal of what we're trying to do so in terms of that where did you learn that skill I mean, I learned it from a lot of, I pull from so many different um, experiences. Mm -hmm. So my, my own experience as a, as a student athlete at Texas, um, mm -hmm. working with, with Jill Sterkel for my first three years, and then Kim, also my, my fourth year, um, pulled a lot of, you know, I think early in your coaching, you do pull a lot from your own experiences, right? And then, yeah. and then my, I, I've just been so blessed to work with some awesome coaches through my career. So I got a grad assistant position under Greg Meehan and worked, you know, out there learning mm. so much about, um, I mean, he's like a massive, awesome 400 IM kind of coach. And so learning a lot more on the grind side of things, cause I was kind of more mid distance and, and sprint. Um, myself as a student athlete. So learning from Greg and then and then going and working for Mark Bernardino and learning, you know, and he would have this like brushstroke power group that I remember working with. And um, and then his mid-distance group was really a distance group at, at Virginia for many years. And so in watching some of the athletes, I think the other thing that we've learned as coaches is like we can learn so much if we listen to our athletes, um, especially the athletes who like are just really tuned in with their body and their um, their stroke maybe, or even just like their training. Um, like one of our best sprinters, Scott Robison, um, he was like, he trained in the mid distance group, but he was like our best 50 and hundred freestyler. Um, and just different, like knowing that you, just because you swim an event doesn't mean that you need to train that way. Learning kind of, you know, the different energy systems that, um, to train and, um, 
yeah, kind of learning about the individual physiology of the swimmer right. and how that can kind of help dictate the training program. Um, yeah, and then, you know, through my own experiences of like um, working with women's programs and, you know, how how to work with them and build, build muscle and build strength in there. Um, and then now, yeah, to leading Northwestern, it's, yeah, I don't know if it's, you pull a lot of experiences, including from the student athletes. Yeah. It's a big jigsaw puzzle in the end, isn't it? You know, like you're trying to put all these pieces together. So like you have, you, you have your men and women who uh, have some slight differences. They're not, they're not exact. And then you have ages, you know, from 18 to 22, let's say, and then you have all your distances yeah. And then you have people that are trying to peak at different times, maybe for the conference oh, yeah. or the NCAA. So it's like, it's a constant movement of like figuring out. And then you just have individuals, right? Like you have 60 of them, you just said. So 62, I think you said. So it's like all these individual people have different ways of uh, responding to types of workouts. So like as the head coach, sometimes it's just like you need, you need assistants that are really plugged in yeah. So, so how do you manage that side of it in terms of, of figuring out this jigsaw puzzle with your assistant coaches uh, on a daily basis? How do you figure this out? Yeah, I think from, a, I mean, we, we spend a lot of time going over our training plan. And so we, this past season, we thought about like, you know, having an overarching plan and then plugging in the, um, having different like, okay, on these days, we have these different options of groups. Mm -hmm. On these days, we have these different options of groups, you know, throughout the week. And then you map out, okay, so for Susie, she's going to go here, then here, then here, that, you know, like different groups and kind of map out the weekly flow. And then from one week, you know, you have your mac macro cycle. So it's, we usually do like a four week macro cycle. So we build for three weeks and then we have a little bit less, um, drop the volume out on the, on the fourth week and, and let them like go fast a little bit. Um, so yeah, it depends on, um, yeah, it's a lot of like communication with the coaches because if mm -hmm. somebody's moving groups, you know, you need to make sure that, you know, the set that they're doing in the energy system they're utilizing on Thursday afternoon isn't exactly what they just did on Wednesday afternoon, you know, um, and different things like that. But I think, you know, we're always tweaking our training plan. We're always tre tweaking our groups. Um, I think right now, this coming season, we're looking to have more structured groups where that, that student athlete stays with that coach and that mm. coach takes the, the care of these student athletes. We're, we're a little bit on the smaller side, honestly, of a team. Um, we're not like a big state program that can just take anybody. It's very expensive to come to Northwestern. And so we, um, that'll all just naturally keep the numbers a little bit more small. Um, so we've got about like a, you know, maybe a group of eight to nine swimmers that a, one coach kind of oversees the development of. And when you when you have that good ratio, you can really know all mm. of the athletes and what they need. And so I empower my my coaches to like know those kids, mm -hmm. know what makes them tick, what kind of sets they like, talk shop with them a lot, um, call their coaches back home, the club coaches. I think that's one of the things that like college coaches forget that we can utilize. We have an awesome resource in our club coaches and we forget to use it a lot. And so I want to, something I've been thinking about is like trying to change the narrative of um, college coaches um, utilizing that resource in the club coaches. Yeah. Yeah. There's always a little bit of, um, us against them mentality with yeah, that's, that's <laughs> <dumb>. <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's always been a bit difficult um i understand that but what about this i always ask head coaches this in terms of how you balance i mean when when you recruit and when you talk to the team 
you know, they're, they're listening to the head coach and they're, and they're responding to the head coach and they want to come swim for the head coach. Ultimately, a lot of them have chosen to come swim for you, right? So like you can't be 62 people's coach and you just said that you break them up into groups. So how do you go about connecting with every single person on the team? That's a good question. So I think, you know, when, when we came up with this idea to stay a little bit more structured with like one coach leads this group, you know, and have um, pretty structured and uh, structured groups, mm. the, the overarching theme has to be team. It, ha mm. it has to be vision of the team. Where are we going? How is this group adding to that? Mm -hmm. uh, and so if it's not there, that's, that's where division on the team breaks out and it gets a little funky and wonky. Um, but if everybody's like knowing their role and helping the team and that, that role of that, that group and how they work hard together is benefiting the team. That's, that's where um, I feel like that cohesiveness and that um, the end the synergy, right. Of a team can really be pretty like special and magical um, in adding to like the, yeah, the growth of the whole program. Um, I feel like I, I don't know if I answered that question fully. Yeah. I mean, well, well then how do you do this then? How, how do you pull them all in at times to, yeah. to get that feeling of like being one team? Because when you're so segregated and you're so split and you're so um, individualized, right. That those things are important for sure. But there's also a point where it's like, Hey, distance swimmers and sprinters, you guys need to get along. Like you're one team. Um, and then men and women, uh, you know, you got to figure it out here. So it's like everybody's got to be on the same page. So is there moments at any time during the week where you're like, okay, this is a full team, you know, yeah. we're all going to do this thing together? Yeah, I think we're, we're planning on um, two, two times a week having a full team practice. Um, one of those times being a full team practice, but the women, the women on this side of the pool and the men on this side of the mm -hmm. pool just to right. get some good energy um, within right. those groups. Because um, really, the, you're kind of managing three different team identities, combined team, a women's team, and a men's team. And mm -hmm. so they each need to have like really strong um, uh, characteristics and, and yep. identities, especially right. because like, you know, for our conference in the Big Ten, we have a women's conference, we have a men's meet conference, you know, and so um, they're separate, just like NCAA. So, um, but yes, regard, going back to your question, and then Saturdays, we like to get up and do what we call XYZ practices. And the kids love them because usually it fits exactly what they're looking for. You know, the sprinters have a more shorter rep. The mid-distance has like a standard rep and then the upper has like a, a longer rep. So maybe we're doing like, you know, three times XYZ plus one 100 with fins and okay. the XYZ, you know, X is our 25s, Ys are 50s, Zs are 100s, you know, yeah. and different things like it's that. It's kind of like a Dave Salo type thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I actually love reading Dave Salo sets. So that might have been mm. why I got it. But um, yeah, that just reminded me that's a, that's the a Dave Salo thing that I, I mean, I've seen him do it, you know, numerous times. So that's why I just attribute it to him anyway. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hey, that's um, cool. Yeah, it, it's set, when you can send people off on the same interval, even though they're doing different things, um, it kind of, yeah, I like that. Like, the, and then you get rowdy together. I, I yeah. love rowdy um, deck, and that's fun. Yeah, yeah, and that's cool. Well, then, what's what's the rest of the summer look like? What what, what does summer look like at Northwestern, by the way? Um, so we have like you know we have a lot of people who are um, doing either classes or internships. Um, the great thing about Northwestern being so close to Chicago is that you can take the train down into the city mm -hmm. and have like a pretty banging uh, 
um, internship or, you know, maybe you're studying under a professor. Well, this professor at Northwestern is like probably top in their field. Um, so it's a really good growth for their careers. Um, so a lot of them do that. So we host a morning practice. It's always long course in the summers. And then the afternoons are the lift and the um, short course, usually power oriented. Um, so yeah, so we just go through, we, I mean, we've run a full um, practice. We have, we still do our typical training where we have our micro cycles of the week and the macro cycles, um, depending on, you know, what meets and stuff we're going to, we kind of line it up with that. Um, but we have, you know, the, the access to our strength and conditioning program. Our weight coach is one of the best in the world, I'm convinced. And mm. so he works really closely with our student athletes and, um, yeah, it's just a lot of good opportunities from both the swimming standpoint and the career standpoint. So we'll have a group. And then, you know, as, as far as as coaches, like I, I do a lot of uh, club visits in the summer. So I've been around to a lot of the local clubs in the uh, greater Chicagoland area. Um, the good thing about Chicago is like there's so many great club programs up here. And I love yeah. the coaches of these programs. And I love, you know, being on deck and talking shop with them. And so like, I love getting out and um, learning from them. They, they, a lot of these coaches are like extremely um, just like advanced in their, in their own career. So I love picking their brains a lot. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the summer. And then, you know, as far we'll go out to nationals um, and then we'll be recruiting at juniors. And then, and then I head out to, to the duel in the pool in August. Um, so uh, the good thing, I mean, Northwestern, the other thing is we're on the quarter system, which is kind of funky, but we don't come back until the Tuesday after Labor Day um, with our team. So the month of August is actually pretty free. And so a lot of them actually get some time with their families, which I think is oh, really nice. cool to like, I always tell them like the importance of being mentally and emotionally like recharged is like so huge. And if they can go in and have some some time, however that is, whether that's hiking by themselves mm. or you know hanging out on the beach with their families, um, it, it just come back recharged and, and ready to rock and roll. Vasa has been the go-to training tool outside of the pool for over thirty years. Vasa's products are ideal for developing power and proper technique in your swimmer's catch. Add a few Vasa trainers to your pool deck, and it's like adding an extra lane to your swimming pool. Go to vasatrainer.com, use code BREAD at checkout, and get 10% off anything from Vasa. Destro Swim Towers. Gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 per double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, -T, at checkout. Destromachines.com. What about year to year in terms of evaluation for you or, you know, you just talked about some of these um, club coaches, you know, being ahead and, and innovative. And do you think of those things too, like in terms of, all right, we did that last year. Let's, let's try something different this year. Like how, how do you make changes in your program year to year? Yeah. I mean, even, even a couple of days ago, one of my, um, one of my swimmers from, um, well, she trains like out in Italy right now. And so she was sending me like what she'd been doing. Cause she went some like crazy fast times mm. and I was like, what have you been doing out there? Like, I want to yeah. know so we can implement a lot of that. And mm. so she was telling me, so it's really picking up ideas. Like you can get so many great ideas from so many different places if you're just open to it um right. so yeah we, we utilize like everything that we can possibly get our hands on and um i think you know when the student athletes see that we're really eager to keep pulling in new information and learning from other coaches elsewhere it, it's a good i think it's a creates a good environment um 
that growth mindset is like really huge mm. to me. It's really huge, something that we've leaned into as a program. And so, um, you know, if the growth mindset is there, like there's, you're never failing. You're only just like, it's like feedback <laughs> yeah. to how you can be better. What about you personally? Where where do you get fulfillment? Like, where do you get your your pleasure out of this job? Um, you know, in in terms of like, maybe maybe just putting your head on the pillow at night and feeling like you had a successful day, or maybe looking back on a on a season and feeling like it was successful. What's that for you? Yeah, I in a a lot of different ways. I love, like I said, I take my my role as um you know a mentor and a, and a, a leader of of coaches as well. Um, mm, just mm -hmm. it's important. And so when I feel that they've grown in a way that I'm like, so proud of them, because they've like, you know, they help help mm. us so fast, like, I right. feel it's I know I'm not maybe directly involved, but I feel really um, like I was part of that, like I helped that. Um, so I think, you know, being proud of the coaches is one layer, being proud of the student athletes, of course, when they ever they achieve something that they maybe didn't think that they could, like that's like, oh my gosh, that's the best. Seeing their reaction. Uh, we had yeah. some awesome ones this past season where people were like, oh, you know, <laughs> that, you know, I love that. Like yeah. all, all coaches do, but, um, you know, and then there's the other pieces where, you know, there's the stories that aren't told in swimming because maybe it's not your best swimmer, but they are like, they're working their tail off and they, they're pushing through a lot of hard things. Maybe they went through like, you know, some personal struggle and um, this year they show up in like a whole, they're like a 180 of a person and like a go-getter and really helping lead, you know, maybe their class or something like that. Um, that's stuff that's really en en enriching in my mm. life. Um, yeah, it's fun to see kids grow, especially this age group. I love college ages. They're like they're hard and challenging, but they're like so fun to like work with. Yeah, the the I loved looking back on somebody's growth over four years and being like, oh man, like remember you like freshman year and look at you now and like <laughs> that kind of thing. It was super cool. You know, there's definitely so much growth in them. Sometimes it was like, God, I wish we could jump ahead two years and we could you know, know get this growth, growth now. <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah. we meet with the seniors right after graduation and we just had a ball this past year like reliving yeah. some of the fun because this is this past year was my you know fourth year at northwestern so we'd seen all their four years and we could have stayed up all night at that restaurant like just rehashing a bunch of stuff it was fun yeah there there is a part where you have to have discipline right like it, there's got to be discipline and sometimes you've got to discipline um, people within your team, you know, how, how do you handle that part of it? How do you manage that? Yeah, that's, um, honestly, that's something that like I've had to lean into that is not that natural to me. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, um, again, it kind of having some good, healthy boundaries and being able to be like, you, your actions are outside of this. Like right. we can accept that. Mm. Um, and then having a conversation about it, do you understand why, you know, and asking that. And, you know, I think one of the phrases that I love is get curious, not furious. And so, you know, you can be disciplinarian without being like emotionally furious in the moment. Mm. I think that that's an unhealthy behavior. Um, if you can calmly state like you're working outside of the box, you got to get back in the box. Of the yeah. um, and how can I help you as a coach? How can I help you? have your behaviors match what we're looking for. Um, 
I think these are the ways that like, that's how I handle, um, you know, discipline. I think, you know, plenty of people could look at it and be like, that's not, that's not strong enough, you know, but it's, it's authentic to me. And, um, and I think the full growth of that person can be maximized in that way versus just yelling at a kid and saying, you're in trouble. You got to do this, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. I kind of try and open it up to like future growth of that person, plant some seeds, you know, hold them accountable, but in a kind of calm and compassionate way. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. I, I don't know if I handled it that way all the time. So you Yeah, oh, I fail at this all the time. <laughs> I could have taken your advice. Um, what about this? We're all competitive, right? And and we all have this will to win. And I'm sure you do as as the head coach and and almost this point to prove, right? Like we all have that as head coaches, especially when you're given a, a program. And, and like you said, there's $3 million involved. You got a big budget, you got a staff, like you feel a sense of responsibility. And so I'm sure there's this feeling of wanting to prove yourself. Is it, is it heightened or mag- magnified in any way because you are a female in, in this position? Is, does that make it any different at all? I, I definitely feel that responsibility. I, um, in, in general, I, have to kind of honestly uh, compartmentalize that a little bit because I'm not I'm not my best my best coaching self when I feel that weight on me. Mm, yeah. um, and so I got to compartmentalize that piece. But sometimes when I achieve achieve some things, and then I can l- allow that compartment to kind of open the door and be really just grateful for that. Like wow, we like I feel good in that moment. I was mm. been able to like go past what maybe. Um, was thought right of, of um, as far as my ceiling goes. So I, yeah, I, I think I compartmentalize it. And when I achieve something great, open it up, let it really soak in, but then kind of compartmentalize it mm. again. It, it just yeah. doesn't help me, to be honest. It doesn't help me be better. So I yeah, yeah, got to be my authentic self. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I never thought it really helped me in that sense either. But there was, there's certainly sometimes where you could take an individual comment or something and like, all right, I'm going to prove, you know, I'm going to prove that person wrong about that. But the, the overwhelming feeling of like trying to prove everybody wrong is just too much. Like you can't yeah. do that. But um, it was something else. Occasionally when I'm doing these, I have a great thought while you're talking. And then as soon as I start talking myself, the thought disappears. Um, <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did have a, I did have a, a really good question just kind of sitting there um, while I was listening to you. But um, in terms of this, then uh, the the feeling yourself of just um, vulnerability, right? Like th- this is kind of where I was going. So the the vulnerability itself, like you're the head coach, and you have to put on this you know, like I'm, I'm the leader of all these people and I can't show any weaknesses. Or I can't even show them I'm having a bad day or maybe something's going on at home that I can't bring to the office and things like that. You don't want to bring all that to the pool deck. But like, is there a point where you're allowed to be vulnerable to your team as well? You know, I'm I'm a huge Brene Brown fan. So I don't know if mm-hmm. you've heard that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, she talks about how vulnerability is like the cornerstone of connection. Right. And you can't have like a deep connection unless you are vulnerable in some in mm. some capacity. Now, what's appropriate and what's not appropriate from a coach to a swimmer, it you yeah. know, you gotta manage that as well. Yeah. 
Um, I'm probably, honestly, like I probably lean more towards the professional side of things than not. And so sometimes that's hard for kids to, to be able to build a yeah. relationship with me. And I got, I got to work on that as a coach, but I think, you know, I honestly, that has been like the most, like very in, in, like incredibly powerful moments are when I am vulnerable in front of the team. And it's like scary and it doesn't feel good. And usually after the meeting, I need to go and be by myself for like a mm. little bit <laughs> and like freak out a little bit, but then like calm myself down. Um, but I'll, I'll say, you know, with every coaching position at the end of the season, there's some kind of like survey, right? With the student athletes where it's anonymous, usually at least here at Northwestern and they, uh, you know, student athletes can say whatever they want, right? Mm. There's no accountability because it's all just anonymous, but it, we, we hope that it's like, for the benefit of the betterment of the program, right? Mm. So, so, you know, and then my supervisors go over the results with me and um, talk about a humbling moment. Some of those comments, you're like, whoa, yeah, oh my God, that hurts. It hurts mm. because you feel the mm -hmm. pain in what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And I, I was part of that somehow. And I yeah. don't recognize that it wasn't my intention, of course, but mm -hmm. like, you know, that's the perception. So, that that's really hard to hear. But then that was the powerful moment was when I got a chance to address the team and be like, I've heard what you say in these things. And, and I heard what you said in this, and I think we're missing each other. I think we're misunderstanding each other. And I want to yeah. do a better job. And I want you to tell me how I can do a better job. And um, here are the things that I've listened to, and I'm going to make an immediate impact on by blah, 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 you know? Right. So yeah. in those moments, those are kind of scary. They don't feel great as a coach, but you got to do it. You got to lean into it because they need to know that you're listening. Yeah. 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 No, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. There has to, there, there's definitely a balance, like you said, between like you know, being vulnerable and exposing yourself and then, and going too far in terms of like, all right, we, we didn't need to know all that, you know, but it's like, there's, there's definitely moments where you, like you're human too. And oh, yeah. maybe even I, I felt like there was situations for me where it was like, I was, I was disciplining somebody and I thought to myself and, and I knew either they thought this as well, or they even said it to me of like, dude, you were in college at one point. Like you probably did the same thing. You know what I mean? I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, yeah I probably did, you know, <laughs> but it's like, you can't admit it at that point in time. Like, yeah, I did something dumb and I probably shouldn't have been alert from it. And so like, you're trying to discipline them, but at the same time you're living through them. Like I probably did the same thing at your yeah. age. You know? so, um, definitely yeah. a little bit of that. That's tough. That, that's a, that's a tough one. I had yeah. a kid that could just see straight through me. He was a California kid. He's a good friend, good friend to this day. Like, he would he would do something dumb and he would always admit it like he would just come to me and be like yeah brett i, I did that you're right like yeah and he would just tell me the whole thing and then he'd be like you probably did something similar in college you're like come on man and so i was like yeah he would always just see, see straight through me and that so i guess that's why we're still good friends to this day so that's good i mean we, i think that there's a good joking way to do it too to be like well we're in college we get it yeah, you know and, yeah. and so we, we kind of can joke as a as a staff together i think it's it's easier when you have a staff that kind of can joke with with you in yeah. front of the student athletes so they kind of understand but but you're like and you realize where we are in our position we can't accept blah yeah, blah blah yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, just going back to the coaching real quick. I mean, there's obviously challenges for you to get these 18 to 22 year olds to do things in the pool that they're, that, that they may even think are beyond themselves. So like, 
what about that aspect of coaching? How do you how do you get that? How do you get kids to push boundaries these days? It, it's it's seemingly even more difficult, you know, because we, we want these student athletes to have a, a fun experience and a, and a great experience, but at the same time, you're trying to push them beyond their limits, and that there's pain involved in that. There's no way around that. So it's like, how do you balance that between like challenging them to to push themselves beyond what they they're capable of doing? Or thinking um, that they can do it. Yeah, I would say that there's like two two big ways. One is is the full team environment that like synergy that I was talking about. Mm. Um, you know, if they if they're doing it for more than just themselves, I think that emotional well that they can pull from is just way more deep. If it's mm. a cohesive group mm. um, and they're doing something together, that's like you know outside of the realm of like what others outside of the program think they can do. Right. Um, so I think that's one way. And another way is just that connection. If they fully believe that that extra pain that they're going to go through is going to help them get better and achieve some amazing goals and, and results. Uh, I, I get the sense that a lot of kids kind of go there. They're okay with that. Um, but they really need to believe. So you got mm -hmm. to explain the why you got to explain like how exactly that will benefit them the team and all that and then yeah 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 there's a lot more explaining to kids these days isn't there um, that they have to understand so the why much. yeah so much that's yeah. one of the things that this past year i was like i didn't communicate enough i guess because mm -hmm. yeah like we can do a better job there yeah yeah it used to just be shut up and do it <laughs> that, that, that doesn't fly no 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 there's no shut up and do it anymore it's like no. coach you're gonna tell me why i'm doing this and you better have a damn good reason yeah <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and i'm gonna ask yeah questions yeah 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 and then and then at some point i get to then at some time during the set i just get to say all right shut up and do it now i've explained yeah. this <laughs> brain, you can yeah. have it back yeah exactly um all right well this has been cool it's been, it's been interesting getting to know you and uh you seem like you're doing a fantastic job so certainly keep it up in terms of this trip to australia um what's honestly like What's this team like? Uh, I mean, you've had a chance to scan through it. I don't know what type of team Australia is putting up. It's always a pretty, pretty cool battle between the two. But it seems like it. It does seem like some of the superstars, per se, on both sides, have have kind of pulled off this trip. Um, is is that perception correct? Is am I getting that right? Um, yes and no. Like you got you got a range. So you have some people who are like really veterans of of international competition at a high mm -hmm. level, and then some that are maybe this is their first opportunity or second mm -hmm. opportunity, you know, like kind of yep. new into it. And yep. so I don't know. I, I think that there's some like awesome, exciting things. Like we've had Olympic teams before in the past that are like, oh, everybody's like, oh, they're really young. And then they like mm. blow everybody's mind. So right. I'm excited about the opportunity that people have to like step up and um, being on the U.S. team swimming in Australia is like a whole nother world from what I've been told uh, as far as like the, the it's like just a really knowledgeable fan mm -hmm. crowd right and mm -hmm. so um getting the experience for these uh for these athletes to, mm -hmm. to get yep. to swim in that arena is like i think it's a pretty cool experience yeah what, what do you see your role then when you when you're on a team like this is it is it a one-day event or is it two days what is it two day two day okay. and um yeah i'm actually we're, we just went over that as a coaching staff last night um kind of mapping out first draft of like who might swim what and different things but remind like, me again of the coaching staff again so Dave Sale is the head coach, and then Herbie from ASU is um, an assistant coach with me. Okay, so there's, there's three of you. Okay, right. And and how many athletes total? 
Um, I believe it's like 12 and 13. So I think it's 25 total. Okay. 25. Smaller, total. but you know, pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. And yeah, then yeah. Australia will pick their team after the Commonwealth Games, So they're looking to see results from that. And then they'll pick oh, the, right. the rest of the team. They picked some of them. Yeah. Well, listen, I'll tell you what, I, uh, I, I opened that pool in Sydney in, in 1993. I swam at the opening of it. It's a fantastic That's facility. Amazing, um, yeah, yeah it, was, it was super cool to be part of that, you know, as a, I think it was like a 17 year old at the time. So, you know, wow. like um, incredible history in that place. And I swam at the Olympics there, but I've swam there just, you know, so many times it's it's such a great venue you're right like the crowd kind of sits on top of you there there's nice pool deck space the pool itself is is gorgeous and swims really fast so it's going to be highly competitive it's going to be well um supported you know the, the crowd will certainly be there it's going to be uh pretty sure it'll be live on television so it's going to be an experience you know australians really do get into this swimming and so um yeah you're gonna have a fun Tell time me more sure. about that <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, it'll be awesome. It'll be a memory that you that you you know you have forever. It'll be it'll be really cool, and it's a little bit more chilled in terms of just laid back. You know, you're obviously not swimming for Olympic medals, but at the same time, you're swimming for your, your country's pride. So there's definitely yeah. a lot of that involved. So. Bragging rights for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be cool. It'll be a great experience. Well, um, good luck with that. Congratulations on it, and then um, good luck for next season with your with your team as well. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much, Brett. Appreciate you. Thanks, Katie. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye.